0: Welcome to the Happy Homeschooler podcast, a digital support group for everyone interested in a learning lifestyle. I'm your host, Melody. I'm your co-host, Holly. Well, hello, Holly. Today we'll be talking about how to teach math, but before we get into our topic, uh, what have you been up to
1: since the last time we talked? Oh my goodness, it's been a whirlwind. Um, As uh, our listeners might remember, my husband, um, he had some surgery on his foot and he's been uh, going through recovery on that. And today he got really good news that he's released from wound care. He's not completely oh, healed up, but he's allowed to do some light duty things and he has less restrictions. So that was good news. Um, but the best thing that happened um, was last week, my uh, my daughter and son-in-law and two of their dogs were coming for a visit and I had been busily preparing for their arrival and they got to my house and called me to come outside and were asking me something about where they could let the dogs, you know, relieve themselves. And just as I'm pointing to an area, around the corner comes my youngest daughter. And they oh. surprised me. <laughs> and so I didn't know she was coming. And so we just wrapped up a whole week with them being here. And we took a visit down to Galveston. And uh, we just had the most fun Um uh, five of my six kids, and my husband and me, and my son-in-law. We just had a whirlwind of of a week. So um, now I have to go oh. into recovery mode and and uh, get find a new routine because we were all off our routine. What about you? What What's been going on with you? We missed you the last episode. Oh,
0: I am so glad to be back. But what a great surprise that all your kids were there. Um, I did miss out. We it's uh, we you know when I you and I joke about being Twinkies sometimes. My Mm -hmm. husband had a health scare and ended up spending some time in the hospital and um, is much, much better now. So that hospital stay threw us off completely. And we're just now, it was very exhausting to be there. And then to coming home, we just needed to recover from Mm -hmm. being away. And so we're, he's Gradually, you know, every day got better and better and better. And so um, that that just threw off our whole month. I'm getting back into the swing of things. Everything, you know, when something like that happens, when you have a little emergency, everything you drop everything, mm-hmm. you take care of that, and then you got to pick it all back up. But all the pieces aren't where you dropped them. It's supposed, <laughs> like, ah, get exactly. everything back together. And then we've got some uh, exciting news. We're going to – a move is in our future into my – my children are pulling together and helping to prepare a little house for us, and so that was very exciting, and um, that it's really
1: fun because your daughter is posting uh, the progress pictures. Oh, it's on amazing. Her, <laughs> on her Instagram or Facebook, so I'm so excited uh, to be having a little bird's eye view. It's a huge, oh, it's so much fun. It's a
0: huge project. We've been, like, bouncing these ideas around for a while but when things actually start happening um, it gets really exciting once you get over being overwhelmed so a lot has been happening and um, I feel like you know the first two weeks or or is it three weeks of summer just went zipped by I mean we're not officially summer yet but exactly (laughs) but you know the first three or four two weeks of June have just zipped by and I feel like I'm a little bit behind on my, I always have way too many projects I think I'm going to get done before we start back into the routine of school again. And some of those things, I'm just going to let those things drop off. You know, my that lazy genius book I was reading, it's like, I'll just decide some of those things weren't that important and they can drop off my list. We're planning to start another periodical series about deep dives into different subjects. And we're going to be talking about some of those basic core subjects that we're all teaching when we're teaching our children. So these are things that newcomers to homeschooling are needing to know. And then those of us been teaching a while every year in math, you know, or in the subjects, the needs change. And so whether you've got younger children and you're just starting out or you've been doing it a while and you've come to a new topic that you might not be feeling as confident in, we want to explore ways to make that job easier. And today we want to talk about math.
1: Yes, because math provokes a lot of strong emotions. And since we are all going to have to teach it, we might as well get that out of the way first. Right. right. (laughs) We've got people who are math
0: phobic and then people who love math and tinker with numbers just for fun. Um, So I think that no matter where you are on that, scale where you like how you feel about math you can help your kids be successful and then you know if you don't love it at least math can be your friend and you can know what to do with it
1: true I know that for me um, I liked math a lot until I was in four different schools in one year oh man yeah when I was in eighth grade my mom uh, got remarried and we, I was in a school in, in one town, and we moved to another town. So then I was in a second school. And then you know, after the summer, I had gone on to ninth grade. And when I was in ninth grade, I went to a different school in that new town. And then we moved again back up to northeastern Ohio, but just outside of where we had originally lived. So I was in a fourth school. Well, by the time I got to the fourth school... They had um, put me in the wrong algebra class, and I was in algebra oh. two for a month when I was oh. in algebra one, and that was the beginning of my um, frustration with abstract math concepts. Um, so it, it kind of I brought that with me when I had to start teaching math uh, to my children. I'm glad to say I'm I'm a lot better. After teaching five people some high school math, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but it, but it was very difficult for me. So I'm not a lover of math, and I don't play with numbers for fun. But I suspect you, are on, though we're twinkies, are on the different side of that coin.
0: <laughs> it's true. I
1: I went to the same school system
0: from first grade to twelfth grade, and so I didn't realize, you know, until much later what a gift that was because there was that consistent the whole program built over the years and um I feel like I had some really good math teachers who it wasn't just their job they really liked math and they knew how to make it interesting and they were they were good teachers because just because you know how to do something doesn't mean you can teach it to someone else I've had some teachers in college that <laughs> Like they knew their subject, but they couldn't impart that knowledge to you, or or look at it from a different angle to help you understand. And so I um I enjoyed math, and we um can definitely the difference. But how old were you when you had to switch? When you moved, how old were you?
1: Um, let's see, I was always uh, one of the youngest students in my class. Like I graduated just before I turned 18, so that was my sophomore year. I must have been. 15 uh, 16 i'm not for sure i was in i was in ninth grade um and so it was really frustrating because i was struggling and a a lot of the people around me couldn't help me my stepfather was a draftsman but he couldn't help me with algebra my mom hadn't finished high school she couldn't help me the teacher wasn't very um, helpful the ninth grade teacher thank goodness the 10th grade teacher held me by the hand and got me through algebra too and it made me feel a little bit better but yeah sometimes when people understand something they're not very good at teaching it or maybe they understand math in a certain uh, sphere of math but they're not good with another kind of math so um, I think it's really important that we um, we explore all that so that everybody can be aware of what some of the some of the pitfalls might be or where you might have a blinder because you, you're you really good at a certain thing, but maybe it's harder for you to explain it. And math seems to be one of those topics where those things happen more. Oh, I agree. And then, too, like you may have children.
0: Just, you know, some of my children, math came easily to them, and some of them struggle with it a little bit. Some of them could do it as long as we were, you know, we just, like you do with anything, take small steps and everything kind of built on what, happened before, Mm -hmm. but um, sometimes trying to figure out how to, it's like you're trying to get into the mind of the child who, they don't know how to tell you what is hard with this topic, and you're trying to figure out how to help them grasp it, and if it comes easily to you, you're just having to really back up and think. Thankfully, we had curriculum that we really liked, and it for the one da- one of my daughters very kinesthetic learner so i chose something that was very hands on and through working with those manipulatives she progressed really well up until somewhere in you know pre algebra or something i think she began to falter a little bit but we found a friend who could help her make sense of it i think mostly because they came at it from a different they taught it in a different way or that a different understanding and just could communicate Mm -hmm. it better. And what's interesting is that now this is my daughter who does all the interior decorating and measuring and works with math all the time. There's so much part of what she does, but it's just, you know, once all that background, is like, okay, good. You know, you know, the math you need for what
1: you'd love. Right. Yeah. Um, And you know, the other thing too, is that, um, I remember when i started homeschooling my oldest child was going into second grade i wasn't apprehensive at all about teaching her math because that was the basic kind of stuff that everybody does all day long you know adding some fraction, right. measuring things stuff, stuff that's pretty basic but i did start to get anxiety when my kids were approaching the higher math um, because i knew i had struggled with algebra and I had started to take geometry in high school, but I really couldn't understand anything that teacher was telling me. It was like a foreign language and I didn't need the credit, so I dropped it. Um, one thing I did realize is from the time I had graduated high school till the time I started teaching my kids um, algebra and geometry, my brain had matured. And, um, and because I had the teacher's manual and I could see how things worked out, I began to understand it a lot better. Um, so I think that you know where you start might affect your comfort level if you're starting off with a kindergarten student it's really easy going and you're going to progress incrementally with your kid Mm -hmm. Um, you know the curriculum if you're starting you just took your kid out of high school or maybe you you, uh, they finished eighth grade and they're starting in ninth grade and it's been you know quite a while since you did a quadratic equation you might have a little more anxiety about teaching math than you would if you're starting with a kindergartner Absolutely. It's a completely different
0: set of circumstances facing you. So it would you know, I always told the the new people starting out with the young children. It's like you can learn along with them and you can review and you'll, you know, strengthen all the math knowledge you already have. But it is a challenge if you're starting with like junior high maybe or middle school, I guess we're calling it middle school now. Um that's that's a lot of review, so that's not even as scary as if you're jumping off into geometry or algebra mm-hmm. or something like that. And even though, like, I, we joke around my house, like, okay, I've done algebra now, I guess, nine times because I took it myself, and then I taught each one of them, and then I taught other people. It's mm-hmm. like, there's still things in there. If it's not something that I'm using all the time, I have to stop and think. It's like,
1: okay, I know, I know this. <laughs> That review. Happens. So like you, like you happens. said, you've
0: got the manual.
1: Yeah, that review thing happens every time I have to teach someone to convert from um, temperatures from Celsius oh. to Fahrenheit. <laughs> right, <laughs> I like I know, I all. know that. Yeah,
0: and we, we write it down or we look it up, mm-hmm. but that's the other thing. It's like you, you have tools that you can use, and um, I know that's part of what we want to share today is what you can do to make it Less daunting if it's feeling like a challenge to you. Mm-hmm. But it definitely matters how old your child is and how you feel about it and how
1: they feel about it. Right, because you might have a kid that really loves uh, math and you might not love it so much. You don't want to squash their enthusiasm. Or you might love it and you might be trying to teach someone who would really prefer never to have to look at numbers. Um, so, yeah, there's... It's it's very rare that you and the student are matched evenly about how you're doing it. And also, like, if I wasn't really math proficient and I had a kid who wasn't really math proficient, well, I wanted them to become math proficient. I didn't want them to, to repeat my cycle, you know, so there was right. that challenge, too. My youngest daughter wasn't super thrilled about math. Um, so much to the point that when she was in high school, she only had um, – she had – Pre-algebra and Algebra 1, and I don't, I'd have to go back and look at her transcript because she's older now. Um, She may have had some geometry. I really can't remember, but I know that she bucked me on math, and I got tired of butting heads with her. So I graduated her with whatever the bare minimum was. And I said, well, you know, this is on you now, and you're going to have to figure out how to pass that test for community college math. So she got a friend to tutor her, and she did pass it and and got into the, you know, be able to take math without doing remedial math. Um, So sometimes you have a kid that just really doesn't like it, and you're dragging them along like a lead weight. (laughs) But eventually, you know, they'll find their motivation. Um, However, you don't, we don't want to start off with that idea that that's how it's going to be. Right. And then you have... People who are
0: coming to homeschooling from a situation, maybe a public school or private school, or they're just starting and they realize that their children are perhaps not up to grade level, which we could discuss whether or not that really matters. And sometimes it's like, okay, you've got to figure out what do they know, like figure out where you need to start. And sometimes it may mean backing up to some really basic, basic math concepts. But that's really, like with anything, start with what you know and build on it and don't worry too much in the beginning about whether or not you're in the quote-unquote right Mm -hmm. grade level because you really want to build a good foundation and make sure your kids are comfortable with numbers and understand just those basic things so that by the time they get to middle school and high school and have to start building on that foundation, those things are more automatic. Right, um, yeah. Because we use math all the time. And I know um, we just did a whole lot of real-life math, like cutting pizzas or brownies or coffee cake mm-hmm. or whatever, when you're dividing up a certain number of things. We do that all the time, but it's it's a good idea to, to connect that to math, like math has meaning and it's useful. And, you know, this part of math is just a fun a fun way that we're using math in our everyday life.
1: Yeah, you might remember I told the story um, in a previous episode about when my daughter didn't want to do math, my oldest daughter, and I said that was fine. Oh, yeah. She she wanted me to make Kool-Aid and cut her sandwich in kitty corners, and finally, after I kept telling her I couldn't do any of these things because it all involved math, she just asked for her math paper. But it is good to help kids understand that you really can't divorce yourself from math. I mean... This morning, I drove my son to Vacation Bible School. I covered some miles. I had to put gas in the car, you know, with so many cents per gallon, and it costs so much money. I mean, math is just everywhere. So getting your kids to understand that math isn't something they can, they can opt out of is really a good thing to do.
0: We're going to take a short break to hear a word from our sponsor. And when we get back, we'll share our strategies for making math an enjoyable experience for everyone.
1: You know, after a long day of teaching math, it's hard to have the mental bandwidth to write out a high school transcript. That's where today's sponsor, Transcript Maker, comes in. Oh, my goodness, yes. When I was uh, having my first student in high school and I realized I had to make a transcript, I almost put them back into public school. <laughs> <laughs> but then here's Man, right? yeah, math. But here is Transcript Maker calculating GPA for me. I was so happy to find Transcript Maker. Oh, I think it's a wonderful
0: program. I love that you can just plug in your information and let Transcript Maker do all the calculations for you.
1: Oh yes, and you know what I think is so exciting too is they have a lot of choices. So some people like numeric grades, like uh, they want to give their student a 98, and some people want to give them an A plus, and you can choose to do either of those with Transcript Maker. Just click on the little drop-down arrow and choose your grading scale. And the same thing with all kinds of other features, like what style of a transcript you want to print. you want to print it in portrait or landscape? You have choices. Oh, I love that. So how can our listeners take advantage of that? Go to www.transcriptmaker.com and sign up for the 14-day free trial and give it a test drive. Plus, listeners of our podcast can
0: save 20% off their subscription with our coupon code, HAPPY, in all caps, H-A-P-P-Y.
1: Give your brain a rest with Transcript Maker. Simply better
0: transcripts. Welcome back to the podcast. In the first half, we discussed the challenges of teaching math, whether or not it's one of your favorite subjects. But no matter how you feel about math, you can teach your children.
1: Well, I can tell you that's true because, like I said earlier, I didn't feel great about math, but I have successfully graduated four kids, and they did take math. So, um, yeah, you don't have to love it to be able to teach it. There's lots of ways to get to that point. Right, and I
0: graduated all my kids, too, and they all know enough math to get by in the real world, and everybody is fine with math, and so some of them uh, really were not fans of math. And I had some who were happy as larks to just work their way through the math curriculum. And then others who just did not like the, they didn't like that plodding along. They wanted Mm -hmm. something a little more interesting. And so for one child in particular, we started doing more hands-on things. And I found some curriculum that incorporated like real life math situations like um oh blueprint for geometry was one thing where you were looking at floor plans and elevations and you were calculating the square footage of a room and things like that that seemed to be more interesting. Just a way to spark interest in that child again. You know how you do where you Right.
1: Yeah.
0: With you know read books about something they're really interested in or something like that. And so Mm Coming at it from that approach sort of helped us get the ball rolling again.
1: You know, that's so interesting to me because I was much better at using those kind of um, additional resources for my elementary and perhaps like my middle school kids than in high school. So Yeah, um, in, in I elementary, think we forget. Yeah, yeah, in elementary and middle school, I mean, goodness, math is so easy to teach because say you have to teach your kids to add. I used to get M&Ms for my kids. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, let's add, you know, we used them for sorting. Let's put all the blue ones here and all the red ones here. Okay, let's count how many blue ones and how many reds. How many, you know, who has more, the red or the blue? What if we add two reds and two blues? Like all of that, you can just take your math paper for elementary school and you can substitute hands-on activities and just put a check mark. You know, they do, right. of course, have to learn how to put the pencil to the paper and do the work. But when they're young like that, you can you can substitute games and activities to cover your math curriculum quite easily. And I have sitting next to me on my desk here a whole stack of math games. Um, and I also have some in a drawer that I didn't pull out because I'm not even sure if they're still being made because I used them so long ago. <laughs> um, but, you know, I didn't know. And I've been homeschooling a long time until you said blueprint print for geometry. I was like, that's a new one on me. How about that? That's by, I believe, Key Curriculum Press, Blueprint for Geometry. Um, I love Key Curriculum Press. They make math so easy for junior high and high school students.
0: Especially for the
1: non-math oriented students. Yes,
0: because they break it down into small steps and it's a workbook format. You can write. That was one of the things with one of my children needed to write in the workbook. So they didn't like a textbook writing on their own paper, which seems kind of like to the rest of the kids. That wasn't a problem, but it was a tactile thing. And Mm -hmm. um, just like, okay, then let's find a way. Let's find a way to make it work, which I think as parents is what we do, find a way to make it work or find a way to do the best you can with what you have until you can find something else. But we, um, we did love that one. And then we, like you mentioned, it's easy when they're in elementary school to do the hands-on and the real world and the show and tell and, and patterns. Cause like Legos, we'd use Legos for a lot of noticing patterns and even things like they needed a, a two-by-three square. It has six bumps on it, so you can even pull in your multiplication and all mm-hmm. those kinds of things. But then when they get older, we tend to forget, and we just, like, focus on the paper and the pencil. Mm-hmm. And we don't, we don't utilize things that are out there to make it more practical, I guess.
1: Well, in real-world math, isn't a lot of pencil and paper so much um you know if you're going to buy carpeting you're going to get the ruler the the measuring tape out and you're going to measure the walls you get you are going to write it down you're going to figure out the uh, square footage of the room you're going to figure out your dimensions mm-hmm. but a lot of it involves getting tools um if i'm going to make a dinner um you know and i know a recipes supposed to serve six and there are 12 people i know i'm going to double everything you know, instead of one cup of flour for the whatever, I'm going to have two cups. A lot of that kind of stuff is is still hands-on, but we don't think about that when we're looking at a math curriculum and we're trying to teach math in high school. So it's really important um, for our listeners to realize the stuff that, that we all know is that you can do hands-on things in high school. It does just take a little more thinking outside of the the textbook. But the great thing is a lot of the curriculum have guides online that tell you these things too. Like my Math UC curriculum, it has a lot of practical stuff online that tells you how to, um, you know, extend the learning for the student. Mm-hmm. And I found this same to be true with Key Curriculum
0: Press. I remember reading through, we used their Mequon series with the younger ones and the the, it's not really a teacher guide, but it's got, I'm um, trying to think of the name of that, but it's background for, for what's going on in those pages and how to do it. And I found it was just fascinating. So I would read that for fun mm-hmm. <laughs> because there was so much extra things that you could do. And even if we didn't do those things, just the thought process of how to extend this learning was really helpful. But we also found ways to use math in games and um, just conversation with the little ones, even with the older ones, too, because those like money skills can kind of fall under math and how to calculate, you know, sales tax and understanding what it what it is and how to calculate it. Or is this really a good sale or is this a good price per ounce or things like Mm -hmm. that? We we did a lot with math in that way so that. For the children who weren't going to go on into higher math, I knew they had all of the basic math skills they needed to adult well.
1: I ran into something recently that that was kind of funny. My um, youngest son is really into Minecraft, and he is encountering Roman numerals, but he doesn't know what they are yet. So he (laughs) said to me the other day, I have this potion one uh, iv and i said oh that's Mm -hmm. actually roman numeral four so i think i'm actually going to teach him some roman numerals this summer just in the context of helping him to understand what that viii is or the I, or whatever the things are but i always thought it was fun
0: yeah and it's on clocks you see that on clocks quite often and um Oh, uh, what was it? What was that movie? Raiders of the Lost Ark or something where the X marks the spot, but it was a 10, the Roman numeral 10 Mm -hmm. and things like that. Because sometimes when you're that age, it seems like a code and kids love codes.
1: They do. And
0: so we we always had fun with Roman numerals. But that kind of reminds me that mentioned math does have a vocabulary. So it is kind of like we think we're speaking in code because we're talking about, you know, numerators and denominators and exponents and these aren't things we typically talk about every day but you're introducing your kids to a lot of new vocabulary and i think yeah. sometimes we forget to stop and make sure they know what we're even talking about or how we're going to translate this this word problem into numbers or vice versa we we need to make sure we're all speaking the
1: same language Right. And the code words that say more than or less than or how many more is that? The other thing I was going to say, going back to the Roman numeral thing, is that, you know, it's okay if something comes up and it's not actually in the sequence of the math curriculum you're using. But it's something practical that your kids might need to teach them that outside of the curriculum. So I don't off the top of my head remember when Roman numerals come up. You know, if it's third grade or fourth grade, my son just finished um, second grade. He's been he's a rising third grader. But because it's got a practical application and it's something tied in with Minecraft an obsession he has, I'm going to yes. give him some of that. Because right now it's the time I think that he will appreciate it and want to use it. Instead yes. of when I say, here's this thing on a piece of paper and you have to learn it. Mm-hmm. I know I'm going to get the deer in the headlights look. But right now I think he'll really appreciate it. And probably remember it because it's Mm -hmm. interesting to him now. I mean, that's part of the whole
0: thing of playing games and making something interesting. If they're already interested in something, that's the time to hitch your wagon to that engine and, you know, run with it. So that was a lot of mixed metaphors. but
1: (laughs) (laughs) But, We'll talk about that when we do the
0: English series. (laughs) Right. But if if the motivation is there, that's the time to jump in because it's something... Interesting and and fun to learn, and the more the more ways we can introduce math as something interesting and relevant uh, and not just drudgery because for some of them like they just had to get through their math papers, and
1: you don't want to just keep pushing through unless they know what they're doing well, speaking of drudgery. That kind of takes us to uh, memorization, which a lot of kids hate to do. You know, I remember when I was a kid, we had to do flashcards. We had time drills.
0: You know, mm-hmm. you'd have to do 100
1: problems in like in like a minute. And people hate that. Um, and, you know, there's, there's some elements of rote memorization that are beneficial if you can instantly recall your math facts. But right. then you have to be careful, right, because sometimes they're, they've memorized it, but they have no idea what it means. Right, and you. I
0: think with so many things, we we have to find the balance. Um, and I, and it's not either or, really. It's we're doing both, both together. And. Yeah. Both and thank you, because you do want to build understanding, but you don't want children to just plug numbers into some formula that they see and think that that's how you work the problem. You want them to know why that's the right answer. And that was one of my. One of my favorite questions when they would give me an answer would be to ask them, how do you know that? Mm. Not in a, not to be mean, but just like, you know, to understand their thinking. Mm -hmm. How do you know that and to hear how they came up with that answer? Because sometimes they're thinking like in a slightly different way. They're coming around, coming in the back door maybe of the problem. But just to know why, or sometimes they get the right answer but they're doing some strange kind of things with the That's numbers. That's not going
1: to work uh, <laughs> over a only, long haul, yeah. Right,
0: it just happens to work for that problem, maybe because of the, mm-hmm. the numbers that they're using, and, and you want to know that, because if they keep on doing something in the wrong way, um, then they're going to be so confused later on when that didn't work. You know, like, place value, for one thing. Like, if I gave them a pile of... 35 linking cubes and I wanted to know how many tens can you get out of that Mm -hmm. do they know that the three is three tens um, or do they have to count all of them and so just it was always one of those math discussions like how do we know that or how could you explain that to someone just to check for understanding but I know we were talking about memorization we did memorize math problems but we also played games so that they were Use um, using the math problems in a game as a way to practice the facts instead of just, you know, flipping the flashcards. There are right ways to make it a little more palatable.
1: Right. And it's important for kids to understand why the things they're doing work the way they do, because they're going to have to show their work when they get when they, Liam, uh, my son, is in that phase where he's now having to start to show some of his work. And he Uh. didn't want to do it. And he said, Well, I know the answer. And I said, Well, you show me how you get the answer. And then he found that he had made some mistakes.
0: So, Mm -hmm.
1: um, you know, that I like how you said, You know, how do you know that? Because understanding what the kid knows will help you to be a more effective teacher and facilitator for them.
0: It's true. And then the other thing about showing your work or writing down the steps once you get into algebra, you need to write down those steps because there's so many moving parts. If you're trying to do things in your head and you're trying to move ahead too quickly, you lose information and then you make a lot of mistakes. And mm-hmm. I just finished up a year working with 12 and 13-year-olds doing, you know, like pre-algebra. And they resisted having to, you know, you mostly because they didn't want to use more paper. Oh, <laughs> goodness. Like, on the next line, write the next you know, they just wanted to skip ahead and looking for shortcuts, which I understand. Oh, right. Everybody wants to finish their math homework faster mm-hmm. than having to say you want to, you know, show your work, keep track of all those numbers so that you save yourself time in the end right. by not trying to skip ahead.
1: Well, talking about people who are trying to cut corners and do their math faster. Um, you know, when we moved, uh, all the public schools moved to virtual schooling, there was a big joke online, right? Like, all these kids, uh, their teachers now are telling them to carry the one. Um, and the joke oh, about that is... because they're parents. Right. Yeah, because they're parents. But also, it plays into Teaching. Common Core, which, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Common Core is a is a big hot-button issue. Some people love it because they feel like it really builds math proficiency for kids and gives them a deep understanding of... Why what they're doing does what they're doing what it does, and other people just hate it because they're they're saying, "Well, I didn't have to do that, you know, and I can can use math." Um, so there are benefits to Common Core because it helps kids to really build a deep understanding of how the numbers work and why the things do what they do. Um, and other countries have a better understanding of math; their their students are more math literate than our students. Um, And some of the homeschool curriculum now has Common Core in it. Um, There's a cool website uh, that uh, it's called, um, oh, let me take a look here. I think it's called Math On. Homeschool On. Homeschool On, that's right. And the, um, the owner of that blog has done a really cool comparison chart of different math curricula. It tells um, whether it has Common Core incorporated in it, uh, what kind of learners that math curriculum um, is good for, how much time a day it would probably take to do it. And so it's very important, you know, to understand what Common Core is and how it works. Right. Because Mostly it's, it's the
0: standards. They've taken yeah. the, the math, all the information. So a good curriculum, like the some of the curriculum from the past is still really solid because all of that is built in. Common Core just standardizes it and breaks it all down into all the small steps that the topic is covering. And you can see all the little bitty parts of that math concept all laid out. So some of the, like it, that's one thing I liked about the chart that you mentioned on that website, all of those, a lot of those programs, are the same as they were before Common Core, but they have just now are labeling all those mm-hmm. things with the Common Core standards.
1: Yeah, just because we
0: didn't have Common Core doesn't mean it's not good. Right, or we had it, we just didn't have it labeled. It, it wasn't as such. called that, right. <laughs> it wasn't exactly. called that.
1: Yeah, right, the basics
0: are still the basics.
1: There are so many resources that can help us um, as we educate our kids in math, even if we are not math uh, people ourselves. What are some of your favorite resources that you used or that you recommend to parents when they're homeschooling their kids for the math um, conundrums that they face? Oh, right. right.
0: Well, my, some of my favorite things were games, using things we have. Like we used air rods a lot with the little ones, but I also used them some with the older ones. And we would play some games. Like we'd get Uh, Those are are little, in case someone's not familiar with them, Cuisineau rods are a centimeter cube, and then that represents one, and then two is like two centimeters long and three centimeters long for three and so on. So I'd get a hundred square, a grid, like a 10-centimeter grid, and the kids would have the rods, and we'd each get, um, we'd have dice. Like we'd roll the dice and count the dots and get the right two rods that match those numbers and put them on the the square and then the one who filled up their square first one, but they were doing a lot of adding and subtracting and figuring out, could they, could they take these off and trade them and do something uh-huh. else? So it was a lot of practice, but um, it didn't look like a worksheet. And right. I also got a lot of games out of games for math by Peggy K. We played fast Track a lot because the, they moved along the plate, the board by answering the questions, which were math facts. It was flashcards, really, but it didn't look like flashcards because we were moving our little markers around the, mm-hmm. the game board, and it was fun, and they would want to play it over and over, which was great. They did so much more math that way than they would have if we'd done a worksheet.
1: Right. Yeah, you just fooled them into doing the stuff you wanted to do anyway, and they think it's <laughs> a game. Yeah, we had um, um, multiplication bingo, which was a lot of fun. Multiplication is, you know, it's a leap in the way that kids think, uh, that mathematical thinking, and it's often kind of hard for them. So um, the the multiplication bingo was a lot of fun for my kids. And then there's an old game called Smath, um, and it says it's a game that makes math fun, and it covers um, your basics, addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division. Just any kind of a game, um, anything that makes math into a game, really fun. Well, I know a lot
0: of people don't have a lot of room for a lot of games or they don't feel like they want to, you know, fill up their shelves with games. So how about let's mention some websites where people can go and get some ideas?
1: Yeah, well, you know, one that I think is really useful because it it covers elementary all the way through high school is Khan Academy. I love Khan Academy. They have um, like full curriculum there, but they also have a way to like just have a piece of math explained to you, like, for example, maybe you're having trouble with a certain thing, called quadratic equations. You can go and look that up, and it'll show little videos, and it'll take, uh, show you step by step, what has to be done to do that certain math concept. What about you? What What's a website what's you found that was a good resource? I like Math Geek
0: Mama, MathGeekMama.com. Is it a blog? Um, it's bigger than a blog. She's got all kind of fun resources and tips to help teach math. I think that's one of her, like, help you teach math with confidence or something like that. I get her emails. I think it's grown since I first found her, and I don't even remember how I found her, but she's got all kinds of uh, literature-based math, and there's some freebies and some math card games and hands-on math, and just, I found it helpful to help me think outside of the box for ways to approach math with the kids, or even fun things to do in the summer, like we're still learning, but it doesn't look like we're you know it doesn't look like school. It's right. still math type things. Just a good resource, I think. If you if you're stuck in your curriculum and you're finding like uh, you need something a little extra, something to help you adjust to make it fit but she's Mm -hmm. got a lot of good resources on there and i know there are dozens more a simple search will probably pull up all kinds of things and then of course like the balance is don't get lost reading about it when you've got other things to do Uh, but math geek mama has been really helpful for me
1: oh that's wonderful
0: so we've talked about games and we've talked about websites but you know as always it does come down to your curriculum
1: Well, that is certainly true because I've been through several in my homeschooling experience. And when I found Math UC, it fit the bill for me and my family. Um, And it has resources um, online and um, hands-on resources that work really well for us. So yeah, your curriculum is key um, at the beginning of any endeavor of what you're going to teach is your curriculum.
0: Right, and you can make it easier on yourself or harder on yourself like depending on what you choose. I um, like someone used to say, you know, anything can work if the teacher works. But sometimes as moms as parents, we would like some of the work to be done for us cuz we have so much to do and that that's why you want to really look at who you're teaching, what kind of learning style they have and find math that works for you and your children.
1: Mhm. And how much time you have. To how spend much on time it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, because we always used to say that remember that curriculum is our servant, not our master. It's here to help us to make our job easier. It's not our boss. So.
0: Right. So choose wisely. <laughs> choose wisely for sure. A few episodes ago, we introduced the reading note. Well, today I'm here at the big question podium. And today's big question is, how do we keep kids busy during travel?
1: Oh, you know, we just took this trip down to the coast and back. And so I have a little bit of experience with that. Um, you don't want your kids, or at least I don't want my kid, just staring at a tablet. Although kind of funny, um, my son was playing, with, uh, playing Minecraft on a Switch. But he was only allowed well. to use it for so much of the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, so I like to have my children gather some little things in their backpack that they would like to play with. Um, That, you know, they have to give some thought to what are they going to take on their trip that they will enjoy playing with. I like right. to give them some snacks and maybe in a little lunch box, you know, little snacks that's supposed to last them the whole trip. So If they get all excited the first 30 minutes of the trip and they eat all their snacks, oh, well. Oh, well. Oh, well. (laughs) As long as they know that going in, right? Yeah. Don't spring it on them.
0: We did the same thing, too. We'd try to have, like, some sticker books or something that they could do in the car, and we often had a road bingo. Oh, sure. You know, we're, like, looking for
1: things. Yeah, Looking for license plates from different states Mm -hmm. or whatnot. Mm I do have one of those in my car, Yeah.
0: We had a set a long time ago, like you looked for things like a cow or a stop mm-hmm. sign or a street sign or mile markers and barns and, excuse me, a lot of things that would just keep them busy while they were looking out the window.
1: Mm-hmm. And, that, um, and that's the thing. It's not um, my goal to take a road trip and have my kid not see anything. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> a few years ago, we took a trip to uh, from where we live in central Texas. Uh, to Arizona, up to the Grand Canyon, across the uh, Rocky Mountains, and down to Denver. And so I did not want my son to miss out on seeing those things. One of the things we found fun on that trip is um, there, you know, the little signs that warn you of animals that might be showing up on the road, like watch out. Oh, for, right. You know, watch the out. Deer. For, the deer. The deer. Mm hmm. Well, we we started getting real amused because we were encountering uh, road signs like watch out for mountain lions or watch out for um, bears or I mean, yeah, it was really amusing. And then my uh, my daughter said uh, they had seen a sign because she lives in Colorado that warns you to watch out for mountain goats falling or something. Uh, (laughs) So, you know, a little research about where you're going. Can also help you to prepare your children for things to watch for when you're when you're driving. Um, when my kids, my uh, first five kids were young, we listened to audiobooks uh, and we listened to um, lots of kids' um, musical things. Um, in fact, we were talking about that and we we broke out in song um, about uh, some songs my kids had listened to when my other daughters and I uh, when yeah. we were driving. So, I mean, there are a lot of ways to keep your kids busy and engaged um, so that they're not just um, stuck with their face in the screen. Right. Well, right, because sometimes that can give you a headache or motion sickness, but we um, – It's we also didn't. not interactive, you know. If no, you're taking not a trip, um not family trip, Hopefully the family is interacting with each other on the trip.
0: Right. Well, it's a whole lot more fun if you are and – Sometimes we, we took the opportunity when we would take a road trip to pull out the paper map and, Mm -hmm. and show them how to read a map. That was another thing. Or they could, you know, figure out how many more miles to the next stop or just to learn, you know, how to use a map. And uh, some of them would keep little travel journals where they could draw pictures and just a composition book is really handy because they can Mm -hmm. color and draw and they've got that little space to, to work on. And just to stick things in, receipts or whatever, and ways to make it a little more interactive where they can share with each other or write, make up a story about something or
1: mm-hmm. yeah, use track of the games. alphabet. Yeah, and those old-fashioned games where you say something like, um, I'm going to go to the grocery store and I'm going to buy carrots, and the next person says, I went to the grocery store and I bought carrots and apples, and you have to remember, and it keeps going around and All around. Of the, the, yeah, carrots mm-hmm. and apples and potatoes, yeah. Mm-hmm. All those things are oh. fun, and I know that
0: there are, I know there must be websites now. I was always looking for things, ideas like that out of books, but mm-hmm. um, it's not a bad idea to do a little preparation before you go, so, and have those things ready to pull out. Oh, another thing is like magnetic board games. I had a chess player, oh, and so stuff. Yes. chess or magnetic checkers, mm-hmm. and um, I didn't really love taking that because I had so many pieces, that I didn't want to move, lose them in the car, but somehow we kept up with all of those things but it's really worth it to plan a little bit have Mm -hmm. your little little bag or basket or I love your idea about them packing their backpack so that the trip can be pleasant for everybody Mm -hmm. if you have any homeschooling questions or comments we'd love to
1: hear from you email us at happyhomeschoolpod at gmail.com follow us on twitter at underscore homeschoolpod find us on facebook and instagram at happyhomeschoolpod
0: and be sure to check out the Happy Homeschooler podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Melody. I'm Holly. Happy, Happy homeschooling! Hi, this is your host, Melody Gillum. Thank you for listening to the Happy Homeschooler podcast, a transcript maker production. My co-host is Holly williams Urbach. This episode was produced by Matthew Bass and edited by Nora Williams. Our graphic design is by Pete Soloway, and our music is by The Great Pangolin. You can find our music on YouTube and Twitter at Kylie Wins. That's K-A-I-L-E-Y, Wins. If you'd like to help our podcast grow, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or, as always, tell people about us.
1: You know, after a long day of teaching math, it's sometimes hard to have the mental bandwidth to write out a high school transcript. Oh, sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) Can you do that again?